to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So you can change the world, of course. Now join me for that journey, will you? Today's conversation is about the power of your words. Do they make a difference? Not with your audience only, but with the people that pay you. Yeah, you might be a powerful presenter or prolific pontificator, but are your paragraphs paying you in the way that you deserve? Possibly or probably. You might think I've said a lot of P's already, but guess what? We've got more. Our guest today is the preeminent practitioner and proponent of presentation skills, Patricia Fripp. That's Fripp with two P's. Fripp, how are you today? Wonderful, because my eyes water, my toes tingle when I hear alliteration. <laughs> I love alliteration. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But you brought more than just your peas with you today. You're cooking something else. What's that one meaty morsel or tip that you brought with you for today's listeners? Specificity builds credibility. Fantastic. That you, you're teasing me. You're teasing me here. I got to hear a little bit. Just I have to hear just a little bit more about that. But before we do that, before we go to the tip with Patricia Fripp, I just want to remind you to hop over to the Speakernomics voicemail box. Every week we ask a question and we like to play your answers on the show or just to hear from you in general. So head on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. And we're going to play your message on the show. So listen out for today's question just a little bit later and then head on over to the link with your computer or your mobile device, speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Let your voice be heard. As a matter of fact, let's head over to the voicemail box and hear a quick inspirational voicemail from Jason Berger. Hi, my name is Jason Berger. After getting involved in my second shooting as a police officer just south of Cleveland, Ohio, I came back to work three days later to work a 12-hour night shift. And out of the blue at 10 or 6 in the morning, I had a grand mole seizure. Rushed to a local hospital, life-flooded Cleveland Clinic, where I was diagnosed with a very rare, aggressive terminal brain cancer, given two years to live. I'm now recovering from a stem cell transplant for my fifth relapse. As far as the doctors know, nobody's had five relapses with this disease, and this coming September 27th will be 19 years. I'm potentially the fourth longest living survivor of all time in this disease. My goal is to be the longest. What I try to convey to others is there's always hope and we can overcome obstacles. Wow. Fantastic message from Jason Berger. If you are struggling, if you're going through something, know that there is hope and you can get up. And not only can you get up, but you can share that message with others because there's somebody else that's waiting to hear your message of hope and inspiration. Let's get into our episode today. Our guest, Patricia Fripp, is a Hall of Fame speaker, CPAE, an award-winning presenter, first woman president ooh, of the National Speakers Association. She's a 46-year member of NSA, and she's delivered close to 4,000 in-person and virtual presentations. She's an author and co-author of six books, with the latest being Deliver unforgettable presentations co-authored with two world champions of public speaking. Fripp, what is happening? How are you doing today? 
Well, first, if I may, may I speak to Jason Berger, who just, we played his message. Yeah. One, thank you for your service to your community. And certainly thank you for your service to your audiences. Mm -hmm. However, may I suggest to Jason, he said what I try to do. No, Jason, you do not try. What Ooh. you do do is inspire others. I love it. There's no trying in a story as dramatic as Jason. My goodness. That is fantastic. And that, Robert, is what I do with my clients. Yeah. Many of my clients, they're from Silicon Valley, they're even rocket science scientists and nuclear engineers. They are brilliant. Yeah. However, what I do is I look at the words they use to see what words to lose and what words to improve. Wow. Well, I'm already excited and I want to go just a bit deeper and I want to start off with maybe a simple question here. Is it true that people who are more polished presenters get paid more? It depends on who their audience uh, is. Okay, let's talk about it. Because there might be brilliant professors who are very knowledgeable, articulate, who have a good salary, but they're never going to match what Nido Quibain might get for a presentation. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So let, let's go backwards just a second here. You talked about you work with people to help them figure out what words to lose and what words to improve. Let's talk about that for a second. How do you identify what are the words that we should lose? Well, first of all, let's look at looking at the opening scripting mm -hmm. of a presentation. I would look at, and when I go to NSA chapters, I was just at a wonderful NSA chapter uh, last Saturday, which was Denver. Oh, my gosh. Colorado speakers. And the week before, uh, Las Vegas, one of my other chapters that I belong to. <laughs> wonderful. So at the very beginning, I look at, is your sentence too long as an opening line? And my recommendation is, is take out every word that isn't needed. Mm. For example, very often people will say, what we're going to do, they'll talk about welcome da, 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 in our time today. Today is an unnecessary word. Today is the most overused, impact diluting word in our business communication wow. because everybody knows what day they are listening. Even when our listeners listen to us, Today is different from them and it is for you and me. Yeah. Today is a nothing word. So I would look at the length of the sentence. Because remember, Robert, the opening of a presentation, the purpose is to arouse interest in the subject. Yes. So can you see how I said this interest in the subject? There are pauses. So I'd look at an opening sentence and just see, let's take out every word that isn't needed. And that means the ones that are left are more memorable. Mm -hmm. And see if perhaps we want to deliver it in short phrases. So I suggest to all my clients and my listeners and chapter members that if there's only one part of your presentation you're going to script, it should be the opening. Wow. And write your opening lines across the page. 
and then one sentence at a time going down the page. In other words, don't speak in paragraphs, speak in one lines. And you can see if one line goes into the second line and the others don't, you have to somehow do something with a longer line. As Bill Gove, the first president of the National Speakers Association said, the written word is for the eye. Mm -hmm. The spoken word is for the rhythm. And we weren't all born in Jamaica like you and my co-author Mark Brown <laughs> that naturally speaks in rhythm. It's part of your culture. Yeah. We mere mortals have to learn that. So that's one. I look at the opening and the length of the sentences. Secondly, I have a handful of words that I recommend that you do not use. And I promise you, most of my friends, and believe me, I would have no friends if I corrected them all the time. <laughs> In fact, there is a phrase I say, the phrase that has kept me single my entire life is, if I may suggest. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so one, people talk about stuff. Oh, I love your stuff, Rick. I think there's nothing more insulting when you're trying to give me a compliment is to say, I love your stuff. No, you love my content, suggestions, ideas. It's net, stuff is rubbish and debris and only belongs in your mouth wow. when you're talking about what you do to your turkey at Christmas or Thanksgiving. So it's never stuff. And certainly when you end a sentence, how many people say, and stuff? It, it's, you finish speaking, stop. There is a period. Second, the, my most frequently asked question of all my clients is, if it weren't a thing, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Now, imagine, Robert, that you are delivering a breakout session alongside five other breakout sessions at a big conference. We're all famous people no one ever heard of, and therefore most of the attendees will make their selection based on the title and three-line write-up. Right. Would you go to a session that said, the three things that guarantee your success or three inside secrets that guarantee your success, three little-known facts or three little-known techniques that will build your success. Or it's all in the words, so it's never a thing. And my favorite example is when I was keep teaching, coaching one of my brilliant engineers to speak at the user conference. Mm -hmm. He said, there are two things people love about. And I asked, as I do all my clients, if it weren't a thing, what would it be? He said, there are two innovative upgrades. And I said, there are billions of people in the world. What people love your innovative upgrades? He said, systems administrators. Well, who is in the audience? Systems administrators. So can you see the difference in the quality of the language? Yeah. There are two innovative upgrades that systems administrators love. Wow. Because at that particular conference, because I go and coach them on site, they had almost 3,000 attendees, mostly their customers, from 71 countries. So many of them are hearing the message through simultaneous translation. And these brilliant translators can only give back what they hear. 
Mm. Wow. I love the subtlety in the specificity that you just mentioned. The two examples, the three things versus three little known secrets. A lot of us don't think about the words the and things as nothing words, as you've put them just now. How do we become better? You talked about writing things down, but how do we become better? What do we write down, Robert? What do we write down? Words. Ah. Sentences. Lines. Yes. Okay. Because you said things. What are the things we write down? You see, you're not aware we do <laughs> You call me. Okay. This is an educational session right now. It's not just a podcast, folks. Yeah. We we don't realize what we say. Yeah. I I have most a good portion of my life. Yeah. Is hours in Zoom coaching individuals all over the country. And of course, I listen to I I listen to or quickly go through to make sure the quality before I send it to my clients. Mm-hmm. And, and even I am appalled. Fripp, how could you possibly say that three times? How could you say so three times in a row? Wow. We have to be vigilant. And here's another one. Mm-hmm. If you can't weigh it, it's not tons. I've got tons of ideas at NSA. <laughs> I met tons of interesting people. Did they get on a scale all at once? No. You met dozens of interesting people. Okay. And you created four new strong friendships. Wow. Wow. I love where you're going with this. Number one, the intentionality. Number two, the specificity. As we talk about the maybe even the psychology of speaking here. What are some of the things that audience members pay attention to? Because I think we talked about the things versus the little known secrets. Do people physically and consciously say, you know what, I don't wanna hear about things, I wanna hear about secrets. What does an audience member think about? Let's get into their mind for a second. An audience member thinks, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. And one of my opening segments in my talks is how we should watch the I versus you ratio or balance. So, for example, I teach that you is the magic word. You is certainly a magic word in copywriting. And let's just suggest that you are opening your presentation with a story about you. Yeah. Well, again, and when I do this coaching at chapters, I'll say, I'll whisper in somebody's ear and then they'll deliver their opening. I'll whisper in their ear and then we say to the audience, which was best. When you're trying something new, you have to test it on safe people. Mm -hmm. But imagine you're telling your opening story. You could add a, I wish you could have been there. What would you have done in this situation? Or perhaps you can relate. Mm -hmm. Anyone, when you have you, the audience almost sits up. And one of my favorite techniques is whenever you give an interesting statistic now it might be at the beginning right 
might be within the body, but any time you deliver an interesting statistic or little known fact. So Robert, look at your suggest at your presentations. Do you have an interesting statistic or little known fact that you have in your presentation? Fantastic. Fantastic. You 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 talked about No, I'm asking you, do you have one? Oh, do I? Yes. I want to show you the technique I would recommend. Oh, I I typically do. Here's one. The United States spends more than one hundred and seventy billion dollars on employee retention. Good. Good. And is that how you present it? What goes before and what goes after? In this particular presentation, we're talking about purposeful leadership and we're talking about employee loyalty. Yes. We're talking about how people the reasons why people may stay in a job. So I will talk about some of the reasons why people leave work not being for money only. Good. Yeah. What I'm asking is how do you deliver that line? Do you just, you make a statement and then you say in the United States? It varies. I may say, most of the reasons employees leave are not money related. As a matter of fact, we spend so much time, we spent a lot of expense on re-engaging employees rather than working with the ones that we have. And then I'll talk about the larger number. All right. Yes. Whenever you introduce that interesting statistic or little known fact, mm-hmm. add in emotion, mm. and it might be. It might interest you to know, Mm. pause, give it. It might shock you to know. Yeah. It might surprise you to know. So in other words, before your interesting statistic or little known fact, whether it's at the opening of your presentation, whether it's in the body of your presentation, add an emotion. Yeah. And an emotion that includes the U word. It might interest you to know. The audience is immediately going to think, what, what? And it's another way to engage them. It's another way to call their names. The whole Dale Carnegie, the sweetest sound to a person that sounded their own name, calling them you. Well, yes, but it's including them. It's including Mm -hmm. them. I love it. Because remember, everyone is thinking when they come into a presentation, They're on your side because they don't want to waste their time. They really want the information you're giving. It's just constantly reminding that I'm here for you. Mm, I love these. You talked about earlier writing down your opening before you get started. What are some other examples of things that we should do or, or that you recommend? Things we should do. Or- oh, my gosh. Here we go. What are what are your other recommendations for making sure that our presentations connect and are even more polished? Well, we're going to have you focus language. We're going to be more specific. Mm-hmm. We're going to have shorter sentences. We're going to remove every word that isn't necessary and we speak robert to be remembered and repeated yeah and if we do our job well we are in fact speaking to the audience of our audience when our audiences go back to wow i just heard this great speaker Mm -hmm. and 
and their friends are going to say, oh, what did he say? And they're going to say, bullet, 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 and told a great story about it. I would suggest that if we want our message, especially in the important parts of our messages, mm -hmm. to be remembered and repeated, we should look at how we construct our sentences, not the way English school teachers taught us, the frip be more remembered way. Mm. Now, let us look at what we normally do. If we were to listen to CNN or read the Wall Street Journal, there might be a sentence like this. Bill Gates delivered a speech on climate change at Yale University yesterday. That's how we write. That's how we were taught to write. Now, the Frick formula is when, where, who, what happened. So if you reconstruct that sentence yesterday and the audience thinks recent history at Yale University, haven't been there, but I bet they have lovely grounds and beautiful auditoriums. Bill Gates, I know who that is, spoke about climate change. Right. <laughs> Whatever he talked about was more important than was it yesterday or the day before Yale or Harvard. And this principle, I've never heard any other speech coach talk about this, but the principle comes from comedy, a setup phrase and a punch word of punch phrase. Take my wife, please. <laughs> if a comedian makes any comment after the punch word or the punch rate, they kill the laugh. In business communications, I consider a setup phrase and an impact phrase. And when and where is putting what follows in the context. So a frippy rule is time is 99% of the time. There are always exceptions, but 99% of the time, time is a setup phrase. Mm. Let me give you a specific example. I was speaking in an NSA chapter, bringing people up, come give us your opening. Can't even remember what chapter, but I never forgot this story. Woman came up and she said, my dad walked into a diner, looked at the waitress, and thought, that's my wife in 1946. And I said, I'm sure this is a great story. However, you need to begin within 1946. This puts what follows in the context. Because now remember, a lot of what we use words to communicate our audience very often sees what we say, and that's how they remember it. So in 1946, you do not have to be born in 1946 to know that was the end of World War II. Yeah. You've heard stories from your parents, your grandparents, you've seen movies. So just by putting 1946, my dad. Now, I do not know about you, but again, your picture helps you remember. My picture helps my memory of it. Yeah. My dad, and I think he's got to be a soldier. He's in uniform. He's just come back. And so therefore, Robert, I attribute all the emotions that I 
have about my Uncle Bill, who was in the RAF and war started for England September the 3rd, 1939, and he got shot down October the 16th, 1939, and spent all of World War II in prisoner war camps. So I know he never talked about it till 2001, then he never stopped, but I know because of Uncle Bill, that her dad would never tell his parents, his future wife, his children about his experiences. Mm. He wouldn't. They did. So you understand, all she said is, in 1949, my dad. Now, I'm all this emotional connection I now give to her dad. Now, this is all psychological yeah. you know i'm not thinking of uncle i'm but i just know more about this man and she's only said a couple of words now you walked into a diner now you understand the picture that you had a diner now you know it's 1949 the picture's in black and white yeah it's 1939. It, it, <laughs> it, it's the diner again you've seen movies you've been in theme restaurants yeah but it doesn't look like zim's down the block from where you live now yeah 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 then i think because he's alone in my mind he goes sits at the counter and he looks at the waitress and thinks that's my wife yeah and i bet she says to him would you like some pie and coffee honey Mm. and that's when he thinks you know now you understand my point is and i know that's a long explanation but that was a real example just by thinking putting what follows in the context and here's another and this comes with taking words out that aren't needed many speakers tell stories about i remember my first nsa convention now you've just heard i'm a 46 year member so you know i was a lot younger then and i was said is I don't think anyone would talk to me. I was a hairstylist who who talked to rotary clubs and hairstylists. Now, most speakers would add at that time, when you take your audience to a different time and place, and, and I would say most speakers, let's go back to January of 2020. Hmm. Or let's go back to... Or if you had met me when I was a little girl growing up in Wimborne, Dorset. Now, I have, we have time traveled into the past. Now, whatever comment you make about that time, when you're a little boy in Jamaica, when I was a little girl in Wimborne, Dorset, the audience is with you. You don't have to tell them at the time. We know this is in the past. Don't bog us down with extra words that we're intelligent enough to know where you are. Wow, this is very clearly done and explained by Sophia in Golden Girls when she used to start all of her stories with Picture It, Sicily, 1942. Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, listen, I want to land the plane a little bit here with a playful question. What do you say to people who say, Fripp, this works so well for you because you have a cool accent? We all have accents to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, we all do. I love it. Now, we like to end our show with a question from from our guest. And you have a question that you want to ask our guest today. Go ahead and share that with us. If your goal is to be a great and world-class speaker, have you ever taken a live, unedited presentation that was a wild success and had it transcribed? Because the only way a good speaker becomes great, a great speaker becomes world-class, and a world-class speaker stays there at the top of their genre is to be vigilant and look at the words that came out of your mouth. And you take it out of a real presentation, you underline all the things, and then you replace what the word would be, and you build a muscle memory of how you say that sentence that segment of content you look at do you have any days do you should you reorganize your sentences and then again build the muscle memory because and this is the point we do not improve what we're not aware of wow fantastic have you ever had one of your presentations transcribed that's the question that i'd love for you to answer we want to hear from you send us your thoughts and responses by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail that is speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail i'll tell you what i'm gonna go back and transcribe this podcast and check how many times i said things <laughs> this has been a master class and a graduate level course your words matter your words deserve to be heard and it's important for you to say your words and share your message it's also important to share them in a way that gets you paid and paid attention to so don't just take your stagecraft for granted get back in the lab again and cook up some peas power presentation and persuasion so you can truly make the difference you desire this world needs you somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve a problem you know the one that you solve with your message and your voice this has been another fantastic episode of speakernomics the podcast where you learn about how to speak, get paid, repeat. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.